from the Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of August 22, 2021. Our first announcement comes from the KSB Alumni Association. An invitation to an in-person Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Conference and Reunion just went in the mail on August 16. However, since the printing and mailing of the packet, we have seen a dramatic increase in the coronavirus and the Delta variant. The Alumni Board of Directors met on Sunday, August 22, and voted to cancel the in-person reunion. A virtual reunion will be held in mid-October. Please be on the lookout for another announcement giving details of this day-long event on Zoom and the Internet. For more information about the alumni or to be sure you are on our mailing list so you can receive the virtual reunion announcement, call Carla Rushevel, Alumni Treasurer, at 502-897-1472. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout had to go virtual last week due to the lack of volunteer help because of the virus. 24 people joined the Zoom call, and we had a great time playing a fast-paced game called Five Seconds, led by Patty Cox. While GLCB plans to hold hybrid roundabouts whenever possible going forward, please watch the KCB email list for the latest announcements or give us a call at 502-895-4598. Remember, you can join the Roundabout Zoom call from anywhere in the country. The number is 669-900-6833 and the call code is 862-9889-6972. Here's the lineup of information on sound prints this week. First, here on page 1, comes information from the FCC about audio description on Warner Media Television channels, an announcement from the FCC about the inaccessibility of the ViaTalk VOIP service, and a call to action by ACB related to our legislative imperative dealing with transportation. Next on page 2, you probably know by now that talking book narrator Mitzi Friedlander passed away earlier this month. Terry Turlow forwarded her obituary from the Courier-Journal, and Don Horn of New York posted the link to the extended obit from the Pearson Funeral Home website. Finally, you'll hear a recording of Mitzi reading a visit from St. Nicholas at the KCB Christmas with the Council party on Saturday, December 2, 2017. Listen on page 3, Terry Turlow, First Vice President of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and Secretary of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, presents a very detailed description of the new fanny pack available from the ACB Mini Mall. Terry bought her fanny pack during the ACB National Convention, and she is very excited about all of its pockets and features. You can order fanny packs and many other useful items from the Mini Mall by calling 877 877- Six three zero seven one nine zero. One more reminder: If you have comments or suggestions for a future sound prints, or if you would like to be placed on our email list, please feel free to contact us at the Kentucky Council of the Blind by calling five zero two eight nine five four five nine eight, or by emailing us at kcb at 
kentucky-acb.org. We begin with an announcement from the Federal Communications Commission, FCC. FCC grants Warner Media a limited waiver. From Audio Description Rules On August 18, 2021, the FCC granted a limited waiver of the Commission's audio description rules to Warner Media and its subsidiary, TBS. The waiver is conditioned on the TBS network airing at least 1,000 hours of audio-described programming and more than 1,400 hours of audio-described programming on average during any quarter in which it is unable to meet the minimum hour threshold in the Commission's rules without regard to the number of repeats. Additionally, Warner Media asserts that it will provide audio description for 100% of newly produced non-live programming aired during certain core hours on TBS, TNT, and True TV. This commitment exceeds the Commission's audio description requirements, and the waiver petition is unopposed by consumer groups. In another announcement released on Wednesday, August 18, the FCC issues an order that finds Viatalk in violation of FCC accessibility rules. In an order released on August 18, 2021, the FCC finds that Viatalk LLC, a provider of interconnected voice over internet protocol VOIP service, violated the Commission's accessibility rules by failing to ensure that individuals with disabilities have access to product support information that the company provides to its other customers. The order proposes to require Viatalk to schedule and conduct a call with the complainant to provide product support information and guidance on restoring the complainant's service. The order also proposes to require Viatalk to make system-wide changes that would improve responsiveness to complaints from individuals with disabilities. You can reach the text of this document by visiting https colon slash slash docs.fcc.gov slash public slash attachments slash FCC dash two one dash nine six A one dot txt. To learn more about the Commission's accessibility requirements for telephone service, visit https colon slash slash www.fcc.gov slash consumers C O N S U M E R S slash guides slash telecommunications, T-E-L-E-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-C-A-T-I-O-N-S, dash access, dash people, dash disabilities. For specific questions, please contact Karen Johnson, Attorney Advisor, Enforcement Bureau, at Karen, K-A-R-E-N, dot Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at F-C-C, dot G-O-V. 
The following item is from the American Council of the Blind and is a call to action entitled Disability Access to Transportation Act, H.R. 1697. One of ACB's legislative imperatives this year is the Disability Access to Transportation Act, DATA, D-A-T-A, H.R. 1697, and Senate Number 2038. Among other things, this legislation will create a one-stop paratransit pilot program, require the completion of the Public Rights-of-Way Accessibility Guidelines, provide greater funding for transportation grants, and improve the DOT complaint process. The bill in the House of Representatives, H.R. 1697, was included in the House passed Invest in America Act. However, the version of the bill introduced in the Senate, 2038, was not included in the Senate-passed infrastructure package. There may be an opportunity for data to be included in the infrastructure package when the House and Senate conference to negotiate the final bill, or data may be included in the larger infrastructure package passed through the budget reconciliation process. To raise the profile of DATA, original sponsors, Representatives Langevin, L-A-N-G-E-V-I-N, Democrat of Rhode Island, and Titus, Democrat of Nevada, are circulating the below Dear Colleague letter. The purpose of the below letter is to encourage other members of the House of Representatives to co-sponsor DATA, H.R. 1697. Current co-sponsors of H.R. 1697 include Representatives Napolitano, Democrat of California, Ross, Democrat of North Carolina, Blumenauer, Democrat of Oregon, Bordeaux, Democrat of Georgia, and Cohen, Democrat of Tennessee. Please share the below Dear Colleague letter with your members of Congress and urge them to co-sponsor the Disability Access to Transportation Act, H.R. 1697. Contact information for your member of the House of Representatives is available at www.house.gov and searching by your five-digit zip code. When emailing your representative and their staff, please urge them to co-sponsor and support H.R. 1697 and copy and paste the Dear Colleague letter included at the end of this email. If calling your representative via their office phone numbers or by connecting through the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121, please let them know that you are a constituent and that you would like them to co-sponsor H.R. 1697, the Disability Access to Transportation Act. Please let the ACB advocacy team know the representatives you contacted by replying to this message or by emailing advocacy, A-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y, at acb.org. And the letter is, co-sponsor legislation to make transportation more accessible. Sending Office, Honorable James R. Langevin, sent by Alec, A-L-E-C dot G-O-L-D-S-T-O-N-E, at mail, 
mail.house.gov. Request for co-sponsors, H.R. 1697, the Disability Access to Transportation Act data. Co-sponsors, Langevin and Titus, original, Napolitano, Ross, Blumenauer, Bordeaux. Dear colleague, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, one in four U.S. adults has a disability. Section 2B of the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, recognized that individuals with disabilities face discrimination when using transportation services and sought to provide, quote, a clear and comprehensive national mandate for the elimination of discrimination against individuals with disabilities, end of quote. Thirty-one years after the enactment of the ADA, Individuals with disabilities continue to face discrimination and a lack of accessible transportation options. Transportation is a core component of independent living. In fact, without the ability to easily move from one location to another, true community living is impossible. H.R. 1697 would address many of the present challenges in transportation for people with disabilities, most of which were included in the House-passed version of the Invest in America Act. Specifically, it would establish a one-stop paratransit pilot program so that riders could schedule an intermediate stop during their trips. This program would expand on current paratransit programs that are required by the ADA. By adding the option for an intermediate stop of at least 15 minutes, paratransit riders could avoid excessive wait times between multiple trips. Require the U.S. Access Board to publish final public rights-of-way accessibility guidelines. Proposed in 2011 and 2013, setting minimum standards to ensure that sidewalks, street crossings, signals, and other facilities for pedestrian use are accessible to pedestrians with disabilities. Streamline the process for submitting accessibility complaints or concerns to the Federal Transit Administration, FTA. DATA would require the FTA to accept complaints by mail, phone, or online. It would also require paratransit providers to post information about how to register a complaint through the FTA's process to raise awareness. Establish an accessibility data pilot program to assist local communities in identifying gaps in transportation and methods to improve service to low-income, minority, older, and disabled populations. Increase funding for Section 5310 formula funding which assists private nonprofit groups in meeting the transportation needs of older adults and people with disabilities. I urge you to join me in this effort by co-sponsoring H.R. 1697. This common sense bill will ensure that people with disabilities across the country have accessible transportation options available to them to facilitate true independence and participation in society. For more information or to join as a co-sponsor, 
please contact Alec Goldstone in Representative Langevin's office at alec.goldstone, A-L-E-C dot G-O-L-D-S-T-O-N-E at mail.house.gov or 52735. Sincerely, James R. Langevin, Member of Congress. Dinah Titus, Member of Congress. Included in House Passed Invest in America Act. Page 2. Mitzi Friedlander was an amazing talking book narrator and a true friend. She became a life member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind in 2010. Read on for her obituary. Thanks to Terry Turlaw for finding this for us. The obituary is from the Career Journal and is followed by the obituary posted on the Pearson Funeral Home website. Mitzi Friedlander, Louisville. Mitzi Friedlander, 91, passed away on August 11, 2021. Mitzi was a performer, actress, and singer, narrator of talking books, social activist, teacher, mentor, and friend to many across Louisville. Her light brightened many rooms and lives. She loved big parties with friends, especially the legendary Friedlander Christmas parties. She is enshrined in the Atherton Hall of Fame, a University of Louisville Alumni Award winner, and is an American Federation for the Blind Alexander Scorby Awardee for Excellence in Narration. She was preceded in death by her husband of 60 years, William, and is survived by her daughter, Fidel Fulkerson, Greg, and her son, Eric Indigo. A memorial party, she did love a party, will be held outdoors, masks please, on Saturday, August 21 at 5 p.m. until at the Commodore Garden, 2140 Bonnie Castle Avenue, Louisville, 40205. Mitzi will also be celebrated during the regular Sunday Eucharist at Christ Church Cathedral, 421 South 2nd Street on Sunday, August 22. In lieu of flowers, the family would appreciate donations in Mitzi's honor to Christ Church Cathedral, Louisville Interfaith Paths to Peace, or the American Printing House for the Blind. For a full remembrance, please visit PearsonFuneralHome.com. And now for the obituary posted on the Pearson Funeral Home website, Thanks to Don Horn for finding this direct link for us. Mitzi B. Friedlander, March 31, 1930, August 11, 2021. Note, this is obviously written by her son, Eric. Mitzi Friedlander, 91, passed away on August 11, 2021. Mitzi was a performer, actress, and singer, narrator of talking books, social activist, teacher, mentor, and friend to many across Louisville. Her light brightened many rooms and lives. She loved big parties and friends, especially the legendary Friedlander Christmas parties. I would like to expand upon these sentences. Mitzi was born in Louisville to relatively well-off parents. The house was on the corner of Trevilian and Valley Vista 
It bears her sister's name, Bonnie Brookside. The name still appears on two pillars and the iron gate above the driveway. Mitzi remembered fields, horses, and hunting dogs in those wilds. Her father was the co-owner of Bornwasser Meatpacking Plant. A small piece of the plant still remains on Geiger in appropriately named Butchertown. This location is one block from where Indigo and I currently live. Alas, the ravages of the Great Depression and the 1937 flood decimated this business. I am unclear of the timeline, but her father went on to own Bornwasser Cafeteria before he died of a stroke way before his time. Mitzi was born Martha Annette. She did not approve. While she was still a babe in arms, her father came home from a particularly inspiring vaudeville performance and said from that time forth she would be called Mitzi. Her mother lived into her 70s and was an accomplished pianist, and this is where Mitzi first learned of her love for performance. She had a sister and brother. Paul, her beloved brother, was an attorney, and his early work was associated with what is now referred to as Rubbertown in Louisville. He died in World War II in the European theater. He was awarded a Purple Heart and a Silver Star. I believe this is the seed of her anti-war sentiments. Bonnie was also a talented musician in her own right, but chose a career pathway as a legal secretary. She also died too young. Mitzi was in the chorus at the Iroquois Amphitheater in the 40s and 50s. This was an equity company, and talent from New York came to star in the musicals at the amphitheater. She would occasionally tell some stories of these times, rivals and paramours, but in a distant past sort of way. Married to William Friedlander, September 15, 1953. Throughout her career, Bill, truly lacking in talent, always said, Well, someone needs to be in the audience. He was a faithful audience member of innumerable performances. More on Mitzi and Bill's long life together later. Those who knew her knew she was always a performer first. She was in the original company of Kentucky Opera Association, Actors Theater, Children's Theater, played Jeannie with the light brown hair in the Stephen Foster story, and the leads in several summers of musicals at Pioneer Playhouse. She was even an early member of the Louisville Arts Club, a forerunner of Louisville Visual Arts. Many of her lifelong friendships began during these early years of the Louisville art scene. Mitzi was the first graduate of the University of Louisville with a master's in theater arts. This short list does no justice to her performance history, but is a sample of her place in local performance history. I am a bit ruined of musical theater as she set such a high bar. She also loved to direct and teach as well. She taught English and public speaking 
at the University of Louisville, Indiana University South, Atherton High School, Englehart, Mazik Middle School, The Brown, as well as others. Her teaching was more adjunct and part-time, but those who had her always remember the impact she had on their approach to public speaking. She taught many lay readers for the Episcopal Church. Anytime she heard me speak, she always gave notes. Her true vocational passion was her work for the American Printing House for the Blind. It is not an overstatement to say that Mitzi was a superstar for people who are blind or visually impaired. She narrated talking books for over 50 years and recorded more books than anyone over the course of her career. She often gave talks to local chapters of the American Federation for the Blind. Anyone I ever met who is blind or visually impaired always knew Mitzi. It only took someone to hear the name Friedlander, and they would ask, Are you related to Mitzi? While she loved her readers and their kind notes, she absolutely adored their dogs. Often, the dogs would hear her voice and recognize her from the hours their partners had listened to her narration. I made a photo book for her, made up entirely of these guide dogs. She loved it. Mitzi and Bill were partners for all manner of social justice issues. They were social justice warriors. Mitzi was anti-war, pro-civil rights, pro-women's rights, pro-reproductive rights, and loved a good protest march. She and Bill participated in the 1964 March on Frankfurt for civil rights and the 50th anniversary of that event. She had her consciousness raised in the 70s and was a proud member of the National Organization of Women. For many years, she volunteered as an escort for women going into the EMW clinic on Saturdays. She and Bill marched in D.C. against the Vietnam War and with the AIDS quilt. Mitzi helped organize the annual Memorial Day service for peace and the Lantern Memorial for Hiroshima and Nagasaki. She and Bill were deeply committed to international cooperation and were founding members of Interfaith Paths to Peace. Mitzi worked with the forerunner to St. John's Center, and she had a knack for treating all people with equal graciousness. Mitzi's social activism aligned with her faith, she was a longtime Episcopalian and loved her church home, Christ Church Cathedral. She and Bill were members there since the 60s. They both participated on the cathedral chapter, several searches for cathedral deans, and other events and functions too numerous to list. She sang for many years in the St. Andrew's Choir before coming to the cathedral, as well as a paid soloist for several Christian science churches across Louisville. She also sang in the cathedral choir and occasionally confused her performance genres, one time asking the choir director to repeat the way he wanted the lyrics pronounced. She was a very active participant as a lay reader and was as mesmerizing a reader in the church as she was for talking books. She participated in the Cursillo movement 
and committed several years to education for ministry program through Siwani. Many Sundays she would assist in bringing communion to the Episcopal Church home and was always the life of any church party. The parties. Mitzi and Bill were famous for their parties. Cast parties, fundraisers, book group. Mitzi was always ready for a party. Their parties were always a blend of the artistic, political, and family friends and acquaintances, normally making for a beautiful mix of people and conversation. Mitzi was a consummate host, as she would welcome guests with a cocktail early and a little wine darling in her later years. Dinners, and in particular Thanksgivings, were always times to bring in those who were new to Louisville or longtime friends to celebrate together. The most famous party was the annual Friedlander Christmas Party that occurred until this last one over 60 years. Those early parties with Fish House and Artillery Punch were quite eventful. However, what happened at the Friedlander Christmas Party stayed at the Friedlander Christmas Party. Even until the end, Mitzi was always looking for a good party. All this was a shared life with her devoted husband, Bill. They were married for over 60 years. They encouraged and supported each other. Bill loved Mitzi's theatrical nature. Mitzi loved Bill's formidable mind. Mitzi always credited Bill for awakening her social conscience. Both were beautiful people in looks and spirit and always made for a striking couple. They did everything together. They would dance, given the chance, and enjoyed opera, orchestra, theater, music, and dance. They were fixtures across the classical arts scene for all their lives. They loved to travel and went to Europe a few times, where they fell in love with Iona, Scotland. Their support for each other extended to their advanced ages. Mitzi supported Bill's physical decline, and Bill supported Mitzi's declining mental capacities through the onset of Alzheimer's and dementia. The first time Mitzi ever lived on her own was after Bill died. She did very well through the support of new and old friends. She lived her life full out until the end and was always willing to meet new people. She held on to her love of singing, and her memory of lyrics never left. At one point in her career, she played the part of Mame. I always thought of her in that role. There is a line in that musical, Life is a banquet, and most poor suckers are starving to death. Not Mitzi. She was always living her life as a banquet. R.I.P. Mitzi, but we all know the P stands for party. And finally, travel back in time with us to December 2, 2017. That was the night of the Christmas with the Council party where the Tri-State Library users brought Mitzi Friedlander as a guest and she treated us to her rendition of A Visit from St. Nicholas better known to a lot of us as the night before Christmas. Deb Lewis, do you have a mic up there? I've got one. And Merry Christmas, everybody. We have a special guest with us this evening, thanks to the library users. 
And this person has read us over 2,000 books. And it is Mitzi Freelander, and she is here and will be reading for us. And I, I'll let her tell you what she's going to read. And we're just really happy to have her. Um, we're, we're glad you came, Mitzi. You must be quiet. Yes, no because, because this will be, like, very meaningful to you all. <laughs> I think this might be something that you haven't heard for a while. And it is the original. See, I'm still sniffing because I cried because I was so happy to be here. Okay, I mean happy to be here. You know, some people cry because they're happy. I think there's a song called that. Okay, the name of this is A Visit from St. Nicholas. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care and hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And I, in my kerchief, and Pa in his cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap went out on the lawn <laughs> out that there arose such a clatter I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter away to the window I flew like a flash tore open the shutters and threw up the sash I always thought that was interesting to see <laughs> threw up the sash okay that's not in there okay <laughs> The moon on the breast of a new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now, Dasher, now, Dancer, now, Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the courses they flew with a sleigh full of toys. And St. Nicholas, too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his claws were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung in his back, 
and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight on his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in, in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the dawn of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Thank you. Page three. I guess we might as well get started because we have some things to, to do tonight that I think will be fun. We're going to get to our game in a minute, but... Um, this, but Terry has something she wants to share, and so uh, Terry, why don't you be up first to do your um, to do your your little uh, demo here for us? All righty, I'm sure it's going to be good. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here with something really lovely in my lap. It is, I can squeeze it, and there's. A lot of space inside of it that's not filled up. No, we did. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. You can hear it shake. Can you hear that? Yep, shaking. Yeah. Did, did you not have supper tonight, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> and it has a lovely ACB logo. ACB, I'm sorry, I can't talk logo on it. It's made of a very tough canvas feeling material. Oh, you got yours. I'm jealous. <laughs> it arrived. Oh. <laughs> and what I thought I would do in this inf in infomercial is go through it pocket by pocket. It's not that my stuff is so exquisite, because it's not, <laughs> but it's that I could put half again <laughs> the things I have in here. I didn't stuff it. I have I have ruined a lot of waste packs by stuffing now at two overflowing. This is not. However, I got everything in here that I normally carry in a large bigger than a bigger than a tablet bag with lots of pockets. And well, it's it. This what we're looking at is a fanny pack. I I tend to call them waste packs because, okay, yeah, they're just. It, I figure my fanny is big enough; it doesn't need any more <laughs> advertising with my pack. So, 
I'll go in there. <laughs> you know, it's probably good not to. So we're going to start. We're going to go from front to back. And you guys have a task as I'm doing this. Your task is to count the pockets as we go. And I will also call some things features. They're not quite pockets. So I'd like you to count the pockets, and I'd like you to count the features. And we're going to count all the pockets, even the pockets that are inside pockets, because they're still pockets. So I would say that this weighs, I, have, I meant to put it on a scale, and I just didn't. But I would say it weighs about a, maybe a little less than a pound, a pound somewhere between 14 to 18, 19 ounces. So is we're empty? No, no. This has got all the stuff I need to have with me in it, which is pretty amazing. So you, I just opened the very front has a zipper pocket, and it's made in a really classy manner. The material of the pack comes down over the zipper. There is a word for this, and I cannot – it's a word that you see when you read – um, descriptions of, of of clothing, of like nice clothing, where the zipper is covered. So you have to reach a little bit under this little flap to open and close the zipper. The advantage of that is that you don't see a shiny zipper when you look at it. And it also keeps the zipper a little bit safe from rain. And this is the frontmost pocket. And I would say, let me grab my measuring tape. I'm doing this because I, I'm a bag lady, and I have, I have drawers filled with bags and waste packs, and this is uniquely one of the loveliest ones I've ever seen, and I want people to know about it. So I've got my tape measure. This is, let's see. In terms of width, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about eight and a half inches wide. That's a pretty big pocket. When I open this pocket, I find one, two, three, four items in it. And it is these four items fill it maybe two thirds across, but it still has a lot more depth that it that could be filled with a whole in other words, these three things are over on the on one side, and the depth, I could put more things on this side of the pocket as well as lots of things in the other third of the pocket. What I'm looking at is a Braille slate, one of the, oh, about 12 or 13 line slates that has a signature guide in the bottom, a little notebook that APH makes called the mini book where you can write Braille in it, little spiral notebook, tiny one, an APH slate. These were, when I worked at APH, the mini book and the mini slate, this, these were some of the products that I developed. And it, this is about a 14-cell, four-line slate that works really well with the mini book. And then we've got a, a stylus that's a little bit flatter, if you all have ever seen the saddle stylus. It's a little flatter than that. But so it takes up less space. And so if I want to write Braille, all I have to do is open the zipper, grab out the notebook and the slate, and I can jot something down. 
this also, I mean, I could get triple the amount of stuff that I've got in this pocket, in this pocket. Okay. Now, remember, you're keeping count of pockets and features. And so, so far, we've had one pocket. Now, a really unique thing about this fanny pack is that this front pocket that we looked at is in a flap that comes down over the front of the pack like a messenger bag has. And it Velcros to the bag. And if you lift it up, low hark, there is an unzippered pocket that is a little wider. I'd call this eight and a half, nine inches wide. And it has some depth to it. And I have not used the depth. And I'd say I've got it about a fourth the way full. I have in here a mask, hand, sanita hand sanitizer, and a chapstick. Oh, cool. This would be a nice pack, a nice um, pocket for papers. If you wanted to put envelopes or things you needed to mail or take with you to get filled in or whatever. Uh, but it does do well for some things that are a little thicker, like my bottle of hand sanitizer. It does not bulge out this pocket much at all. And I've experimented, and I can turn this fanny pack upside down and toss it around. <clears throat> and because of the way the flap comes down over the this pocket, nothing will come out. So now we are moving backwards uh, from the front. I put the flap back down and just behind the flap is a zipper pocket that is the width about, I, I guess, I know Patty, you've got right measurements, but I'd say about 10 inches and it is, it's deep. It's uh, roughly about uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about nine or 10 inches deep. This pocket has a wonderful zipper that goes all the way around it. And it has depth. It has a lot of depth. So I could put a lot more things than I have in here. What I have in here is my wallet. I have a little uh, change purse type thing that has all my insurance cards and my house keys. And this barely, barely, I mean, I could have double this and more in here. This has a feature. Note, feature, count people. The feature is a lovely key ring, which is attached to the, um, the fabric of the pack. And you can put keys on it or whatever. I use these for... You can get um, key rings with, with straps on them and the, put something on the other end of the strap like a carabiner. I have my wallet, my insurance stuff, and my house keys, each on a different key ring that, with a strap that are all attached. So even if I dropped my wallet, I can't lose it because it would be hanging down from the from the path. Now I'm still inside this pa this pocket. 
And toward the back of this pocket, there are one, there is one open pocket that I'd say maybe three, three inches by four inches. You could put cards in it if you wanted. You could put small things. It has a little bit of depth. Right next to it, I just unvelcroed another little pocket, and it is about three inches tall and maybe an inch and a half wide. Um, I have a flash drive in there, and there's plenty of room. I could have a couple of flash drives or um, teeny little notebook. It, lots of things, a, 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 lots and lots. If you had carried mace, it would be a nice place for mace. Uh, not for the people that you didn't like, but it would be. <laughs> I do not, going back to the pocket that's to the left of this that I said is does not have a closure, it does stay closed well. I don't have anything in it at the moment. Moving now to the right, and we're still on the back of this first great big inner pocket, there is a third, a third pocket here and it unzips it has a zipper closure i happen to have about six of my um types of plastic cards that i don't use that often it could hold more it's wider than credit cards um it has a mesh front and I'm sure there are lots of nice reasons for that but one is that when you reach your hand in and you want a pocket you can easily get the one you want because one has mesh, one is narrow with a Velcro uh, a Velcro closure, and the other is wider with no closure. Now, I'm still in this first great big pocket of this of this device, and guess what? There is on a just behind the three pockets that we just talked about. Another pocket, which is a zipper pocket, which goes the full width of the bag. Now, believe it or not, right now I don't have anything in this zipper pocket. I will, but I was running out of things, and, and you'll see why shortly. So I'm going to zip up this zipper pocket, and now... I'm, I'm finally on the outside of this first main pocket, which I just zipped up. And just behind it is another main pocket that runs the entire, again, the entire width and height and depth of the unit. And I could have more things in here. What I have, this is a bottle of Tums. I sadly need Tums. Oh. This is this is a, a what is called a mini guide. The mini guide is an, a little ultrasound device that um, you can tell where things are ahead of you. If you're looking for an opening, you can use it to find it. Um, I then have something I just took out here. It is a pouch about maybe five inches by by four inches, and in this pouch, I carry, guess what, doesn't everybody, 
I carry rocks. Now, these happen to be rocks that have particular meanings for me. And so I used to carry them in the bottom of, of my big purse, but I put them in a pouch and um, I'm looking at uh, four. One, two, let's count them. One, two, three. Oh, I've got more than four. One, two, three, four. And, and five, six. Okay. And they all, they have different, different reasons for being here. One is a heart-shaped rock, kind of, it was painted by women in Africa and it's painted with flowers on it. And it was something that a very dear friend of mine gave to everybody who came to, to his wedding. So that's, they have that kind of meaning. So I'm putting this pouch back. I just pulled out an inhaler, an albuterol inhaler, put that back. And now I just pulled out a folded dog drinking or eating bowl. And it's about maybe four or five inches across. And it fits beautifully in there. I had, had a hard time fitting it in these pockets in my other, um, in my other fanny packs. And now I just pulled out a hearing aid case. It's about maybe three inches wide, and it's about, I'd say, two inches thick. And if I have to take out my hearing aids, I've got something that I can put them in. And there is tons more room in this in this uh, back pocket. And the back of this back pocket has some padding in it, meaning that if you had this would easily hold a 20 cell braille display. Um, it might hold a 32, some 32 cells. Um, I, it won't hold my Polaris, which is a 32 cell, but it's a little wider than some, but it would easily and safely hold a braille display plus, you know, in its, in its own case, plus whatever else. Then there is one more feature that we haven't touched on. If we go over to the left side of this pack, to the left, on the left side, there is a water bottle holder. The nice thing about this water bottle holder is that its bottom has some canvas, some, well, it's, it's probably not canvas, but it feels like canvas. It's the sturdy material of which the pack is made. It has a canvas reinforce, extra canvas reinforcement on the bottom. And it, the bottom is bigger than the top, which means that if you put a water bottle in here, the elastic on the top is going to hold it in. So I, I, I loved this when I first saw it. But I did not realize how much it would hold until I sat down with my big old purse and started putting things in it. And I got to tell you, it's worth the money that it costs. And you, too, can get one from none other than our own Carla Rushable at the Many Mall. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the coolest fanny packs you're ever going to find. And Carla, it's, my memory is, is it 35? Is that correct? Or is it? No, it's, it's 30. 
30. Whoa, that's even a better deal than I thought. So thank you all for letting me do this because I, I think it's hey. marvelous. So thank you all for listening and go buy a bat. Go buy a I bike. already have one. I can't <laughs> wait for mine to come. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks classy. Do they okay. come in colors? Uh, the fanny pack comes in black or blue. And that was totally unsolicited. I didn't ask Terry to do it. She sent me an email this afternoon and said, I'd, I'd like to do a little demonstration of this fanny pack. And I said, fine. So that was good, Terry. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm just I'm delighted that you are. A mini rolling suitcase or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a small pack, you know. Right. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.